0: Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. Okay, you may have a seat. I I love the the fellowship with one another, um, the mass exodus known as Redemption Kids, and uh, grade Oneers. Sorry that you're stuck with me today, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to help us out as we go through this. We're studying the book of uh, Genesis today, and as we uh, pick back up the story, we see that um, Jacob is still under Laban. Uh, Laban is, um, well, he's just, if we could put it in today's vernacular, he's a bit of a piece of work, right? He, he is not the kind of guy you would want to work for. As we're going to see uh, in the text this morning, uh, Jacob says, you changed my wage ten times, right? He's the kind of guy that's always out for himself. He doesn't care who he hurts in the process. And at the same time, he thinks he's a good guy, right? He doesn't even think that what he's doing is wrong. He thinks that somehow he's benevolent. And I wonder if you have some people like that in your lives. Maybe you've had a difficult uh, employment and you're kind of like, I don't know how much longer I can keep going at this particular place. Maybe you have a difficult relative, a difficult neighbor. We, we have these kind of people come into our lives and sometimes it gets so bad that you're just like, I, I, God, are, are you there? Like, this, this this person seems to get away with whatever they want, and I'm kind of just left in shambles here. Lord, are you there? And I want us to be reminded from the text today that God is there. He's always with us. We, we learn from Romans that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that his love is with us at all times. And, and we need to be reminded of these things and I want us to not only be reminded that God is with us, but that God is blessing us even in these circumstances. That it is a blessed thing to know God. It is a good thing that you and I would put our full trust in him and that he is worthy of our trust. And so this is going to be the, the, the what we're going to be looking at this morning as we look at Genesis. But before we get into it, let me just pray for us one more time and then we'll get into the text. God, we are so thankful for your love, for your faithfulness to us. God, we thank you that you are with us today and that, Lord, um, you're always faithful, that your love is steadfast, that your mercies are new every morning. And, God, I thank you that you know every circumstance here today. Lord, you know the difficulties that your people face. And, Lord, you're, you're sovereign. You're watching over them. Lord, you're allowing whatever it is in their life for this season, for this time, just as you did in the life of Jacob. But Lord, you are in control. And so God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our trust of you in difficult times. That God, we want you more than the blessings. Lord, that we would see that you are the blessing. And so God, would you help this pastor to preach your word well today? Would you help him to... Um, speak with clarity, and Lord, would you change our hearts? Lord, would you make our hearts more like yours as a result of our time in the Word today? Use this time for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and just slip up your hands. Uh, We want everybody to be reading along today. There's a lot of verses that we're trying to cover today. Uh, Pastor Michael assured me, even though his word account was high uh, when he preached, he still got in on time. So I'm trusting by faith that's going to be the case. If not, we're going to be cutting some stuff. But we'll just see how things go. But we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 30. And we're going to begin in verse 25. And we're going to go right through to the end of 31. It's this one thought that we want to be covering together. So chapter 30, verse 25, through uh, end of chapter 31, And as we go through it, I want us to recognize the blessing of God. To recognize the blessing of God. First, I want us to see that God differentiates his people according to his good pleasure. That God differentiates differentiates his people according to his good pleasure. I want us to remember that it is a great blessing to be a child of God. We were once enemies of him. He was not for us, he was against us. But now we have been reconciled to him. If your only grid to, to measure blessing is based on ba- bank accounts and health and the temporary things of this life, then maybe you can be disillusioned to think that it is a blessing to live apart from God. Now Asaph, this, is, this was his story in Psalm 73. He started looking around him and he's like, man, my life's hard. And look at, look at the pagans. Look at the wicked people. It seems like they, you know, everything goes fine for them. I mean, they don't seem to wrestle with the same things I have. And, and he has this, this temporary thinking on things until he gets back to where he ought to be. And he says in Psalm 73, verse 23, he says, Nevertheless, I am, what? The Lord is continually with us, and that he holds us by his right hand. He, he, he's like, I don't, here's the one thing I do know for sure. The wicked don't have this. They don't have God. They don't have God with them. He's not guiding them, holding their hands. And if you're in trouble this morning, if you're having difficulties, I would remind you of the fact that if you're a child of God, he is holding you by the hand. He is with you. He continues on in verse 24. He says, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. This is what you have as a child of God, that, that you have God's counsel with you. For this life, and that what this isn't the end, but glory is coming. So so hold on to him to to, to remember these things. And then he says, "This whom have, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you." This is what the true child of God understands: that the greatest thing, the greatest treasure that you and I could ever have is God Himself. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, for, redeem, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Every, you can take everything else away from me. It doesn't matter. If I have Christ, I have everything. And we need to remember this. And if you, you know, if you start looking around, and you're kind of comparing, like, well, this, you know, pagan Paul over here, I mean, he just keeps getting raised after raised, and it's just, everything's always, always going great for him. Like, why, why am I following God? Because you have God, you have him, he is with you. It is such a great treasure compared to the blessings of of material wealth. That comes and goes, but you have the Lord God. And then he says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. You can take everything away from the believer, but their strength, you can take away their strength, their possessions, but what? The Lord is always with him and will be for all of eternity. And I, and I just remind us of, of, of Asaph and this temptation to start looking around at blessings, so-called blessings around us, and miss the whole point. Asaph had done that. You and I can do that. We can start looking and envying the, the things of this world, but let us not do that. Let us remember that God is with us. And we see that God is very much with Jacob as he goes through this time of trial with Laban. Let's pick it up in verse 25. As soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served you that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. If this is your first time, I know grade ones, you guys haven't been following along with us, so I just want to remind you guys, 14 years... Jacob has been working for these wives. This is the agreement that he's made with Laban. The original agreement was, hey, work for me for seven years and then I'll give you Rachel. Ah, uh, not really. I'm not really going to give you Rachel. I gave you Leah instead. Oh, you want Rachel too? Well, that's another seven years. Right? And, and, and so he's like, end of 14 years, he's like, hey, can I go now? I've worked all this time. I want to take my wives and my children and go. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Hey, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't mean, I didn't really hear what you said. I heard something about you leaving. But um, here's what I want you to know, if I have found favor in your sight, which he clearly has not as we read through this. But he's just trying to, you know, this is, the, this is Laban. It, like what can I say to appease you to kind of make things okay so that you'll do what I want you to do? And oh, by the way, I've learned by divination and, and commentators. Really, commentaries were not really helpful this week. It was one of those weeks. Like, thanks a lot. Like, I, you know, do you have anything for me? Um, but but they're kind of confused. Like divination. Like that's how he figured this out. We don't know exactly how he's learned it, but clearly he knows what everybody should know. That if if. If you're with God's people, there's a blessing in it. And he's been blessed because of Jacob working for him. And so he's determined this. He's found this out. And, and we're going to see so many parallels here between the Exodus and this account. So the Exodus, in, in the, the story of the Exodus, we have the people of Israel... And then you have Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, I can't let these people go. Why? Because I've been blessed because of them. I keep getting rich through them, so I can't let them go. So too with Laban. We're going to trace that through until the end of the sermon today. But Laban's like, hey, you can't go. Name your wages, and I will give it. Maybe. Not really, but I'm saying it. I mean, this is Laban. So he says, you know, I I don't really care about you wanting to leave. I just want you to stay. And so you tell me what you want for a wage. Um, I think he knows he has them a little bit over the barrel a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He's worked for 14 years. What does he have to show for it? Nothing. He's got nothing. So he said, hey, you know, before you take off, you probably want a few things. So like name your wages. You keep working for me and maybe someday you'll go. He doesn't really say that, but that's that's what he's thinking. Maybe someday, but I, I want you here right now. So Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock have favored, uh, have fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now where." When shall I provide for my own household also, right? Yeah, you're right. You have been blessed because of me. Ding, ding, ding. You're you're right. But at the end of it all, what do I have? I have nothing. Verse, I'm going to need to pull these uh, glasses out. (laughs) Verse, uh, blurry. Verse 31. What shall I give you, Jacob said? You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. Right? Here's my proposal. I'm going to go through and I'm going to just take these sheep. It's not the majority. This This is the minority of any flock. This would be the case. And so he said, if I could just go through and take these things, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a fraction of the animals, and that's going to be my wage. So my honesty will answer for me later. When you come to look into my wages with you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Right? So this is an easy way to do it. I'll, I, I, you can come, and you can look at any time you want, and if you see any sheep that are not these, then you know that I've stolen from you. So... This is the way we'll work it out. And Laban said, good, let it be as you said. Why is he so excited about this deal? Because he thinks, (laughs) I'm getting off really great here. Like basically this guy's got nothing, right? He's got a few spotted, I mean, what's the chances of these spotted, speckled? It's not very often. He'll continue to look after my livestock. I'm going to get really rich. He's not. Uh, This is a great deal. This is Laban's mindset. He doesn't, he's not for Jacob in any way. He's only for himself. He's brutally selfish and self-seeking. Oh, just in case we weren't sure about that. Verse 35. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black, and he put them in charge of his sons. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a great deal. Let's go ahead and go with that deal. Uh, um, You're going to be able to get all the spotted and... uh, What did I I keep... Speckled, yeah, spotted and speckled. That's all yours, starting tomorrow. Right? Do you see what he's just kind of done a fast fast play here? I'm going to make sure I take all of those. Why? Because... Well, number one, you don't deserve them. You have been working for me for my my daughters. So starting tomorrow, we'll start with a fresh slate. and, And whatever happens to be spotted or speckled can be yours. Thinking what? What are the chances of that happening? If there are no spotted or speckled animals left? Not real high, right? This is the kind of guy Laban is. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a great deal... What did did Jacob say? I'm going to go around and I'm going to grab these and this will be my wages to begin with and then we'll go from there. But he's like, no, no. I'm going to give these to my sons instead. And he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So he's like, why the three days journey? I'm going to make sure that you don't take any of my sheep right? Any of my goats. I've I've stolen these basically away from you, and now I'm going to make sure that you don't come back at night and grab some of them. I'm going to be a three-day's journey. What he doesn't know is he's playing right into Jacob's hand. So now Jacob gets to work. Verse 37. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the t- flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Right? Any farmers here? I'll, Obviously, this is what happens, right? Again, it's like, okay, what's happening here? It would seem, now this is, I found this probably the most fascinating part. Remember the whole Esau thing? Means what? Red. And he tricked him with what? Red stew. What does Laban mean? White. It also means poplar, right? So in a very similar way, he is going to have his way with these um, goats and sheep. Now, some think this is superstition. It, it very well could be. There's some kind of superstition that he's like, you know, it was known at that time. This is what you do if you want to make these things happen. Some think he just is really smart when it comes to animals. Like, he's like, um, Hamilton says this. He says that, uh, thinks that God has given a Jacob a, a knowledge of zoology that is far from primitive. The flock tended by Jacob had only monochrome animals in respect of phenotype. As regards to genotype, however, a third were pure monochromes, uh, and then two-thirds were heterozygotes that's easy for me to say, who contained the gene of spottedness. By crossing the heterozygotes among themselves, Jacob would produce, according to the laws of heredity, 25% spotted sheep. So he's like, no, no, he, he knows what he's doing, and this is why this is coming about. At the end of the day, what we're going to find out next chapter is that it has nothing to do with anything that, that Jacob is doing. It is only happening because God is sovereign and he's making it happen. Right? So whether Jacob thinks that he is somehow manipulating the situation through this, this peeling of the, the sticks or not, we don't know. But, but he's doing it. He, he, he's doing what he thinks he can do to make this happen. But again, we're going to see next chapter, God is the one who's actually doing it verse 40 and Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban he put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock whenever the stronger the flock were breeding Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks but for the feebler of the flock he would not lay them there so the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's right Jacob's like unabashedly seeking to grow his own flock, right? It's time for me to make my money now. So stronger ones, uh, he's, he's breeding with stronger ones, feebler ones, hey, guess what? You're part of this flock over here, okay? And, 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 and in doing this, he becomes very wealthy. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants and camels and donkeys. In other words, he's, not, he's, he's getting enough money now that he's accumulating beyond the goats and the sheep. He's able to afford to buy things like camels and donkeys and servants. And so he, he you know, in and, and reading just this verse, you would think, man, he's manipulated the system. But look with me down to nine, And we read this as he describes to his wives what's actually happened. He says, thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me given them to me, just as it was not the mandrakes that caused Rachel to be pregnant, to which she acknowledged, neither was it Jacob's ingenuity nor superstition that brought about his becoming wealthy. It was the work of God that made this happen. The Lord had answered what he said he would do for Jacob back at Bethel, right? Remember when he met him in in chapter 28, when he met him at Bethel, what did he tell him in verse 15, 28, 15? Behold, I am with you, and you will And will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. He has promised blessing to him, and so now he is doing that, and he's about to send him back to his homeland. And just as he made the promises to Abraham and then to Isaac, now he's making the promises to Jacob that he would be a prosperous people, that they would have much as far as wealth goes, that they would have much in regards to to descendants, and that they would also inherit the land. And so God is fulfilling his promise despite a guy like Laban, right? Laban thinks that he is in control. He's not in control. God is in control. Sometimes you become the target of persecution, in one way or the other, does that ever happen to you right like and you're like i 'm not even sure what happened i 'm not sure why i 've become the target of my boss or the teacher or whatever the case might be, and you 're just trying to live a good Christian life and you know be you know be have integrity and this person just has it out for you right if there's a a job that nobody wants, guess what you get to do that job and 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 when that happens, you can kind of like, it's almost like we, we, we separate our faith from what's happening in reality, right? And we're like, I, it's not like I, I've been getting up in the lunchroom and proclaiming the gospel. Like, why am I being persecuted, right? People know that I'm a person of faith, but, you know, I, I've been living a good life, right? I, I've been kind to people. I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm really racking my brain as to why they're coming after me. And, and what we ought not to do is separate the two. What you ought to do is say, oh, wait a minute. Um, did they do that to Jesus? Did they, like, treat him wrongly for absolutely no reason? Oh, yeah, actually, that happened to him. It tells us that in John 15. John 15, Jesus says this in verse 23, Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. He's saying, listen, look at all the great things that I have done. Guess and what did I receive? Hate. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. They hated me without cause. And you may be in that situation right now. And I would just point you to the example of Jacob and to say, God is with you. But he may allow you to be in that situation for a while. How long was Jacob in this situation? 20 years, right? It wasn't 20 minutes. It was 20 years. But I also want us to just kind of take take a lens back a little bit and look at what happened in Jacob's life. He's much more a man of God now than he was when he went to that place. I mean, he, he was not a good guy. God chose him, uh, just like you and I, not because we deserved it, not because Jacob deserved it, but he chose him. And he is, through these difficulties, through these circumstances, he's not leaning upon his own wisdom. He's not leaning upon what he can do. Now he's starting, as we go through chapter 31, we're going to see over and over again, he's acknowledging God does it. God is the one who's helping me. If it was not for God, where would I be today? His faith is growing and I want to encourage you that, again, what it says in Romans eight twenty eight, we talked about this last week, all things work together for your good if you are called according to his purpose. The good is what? Not that everything's going to work out for you. The good is that you would be conformed into the image of his son. We see that in verse 29, that you become more like Christ. He is sanctifying you even through that difficult person. So you keep having a heart to forgive. You keep loving on that person. You keep praying for your enemies. That's what God calls us to do. And then allow God to be sovereign. At some point, whether in this life or the next, justice will be done. And you need to not seek vengeance for yourself. You need to give it to the Lord and allow him to have his way. He is the one who is over it all. So the first thing that we notice there is that God differentiates his people according to his good pleasure. God is the one who, in his time, in his way, is going to bring about his purposes. Which brings us to our next point. God directs his people according to his grand purposes. We see this in verse 1 of chapter 31. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. Right? The sons are a chip off the old block. Right? Oh, we're victims. We're victims here. You know, and what are they really thinking about? Well, that's all supposed to be our wealth. Right? Dad promised. We, You know, Jacob keeps looking after everything. We're going to get, we're all, all going to get really rich. And then they say in verse 2, And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Right? And Jacob's like, oh, noticing that, that that's, the problem's not just with the sons of Laban, but now he has a problem with Laban. And then in verse 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Again, going back to the promise of uh, Genesis twenty-eight fifteen, God has promised that he would be with him. And so, with this increased hostility, he thinks, "Okay, it's time now to go. I can't remain here, and it would go well with me." But he doesn't know how. Are, how are my wives going to think about this? Verse four. So Jacob and Rachel—sorry, Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. Uh, presumably, why to to get away from prying ears, so they can be private and talk this thing through together. He says in verse 5, and he said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. Which is a really rich statement (laughs) in itself, right? So, look how bad is it? But the God of my father has been with me, right? Your father has been against me, but the heavenly father has been with me. Verse 6, you know that I have served your father with all my strength, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. The, then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats and mate with the flock that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Listen, God's saying, I, I'm with you. I've seen your oppression. I've seen how you've been mistreated. I've been with you all along. And now I'm going to intervene. And he has intervened. And he literally has taken all the riches of Laban, and he's given it now to Jacob. The, who's in charge? God's in charge. Again, we need to be reminded of that in whatever you're going through. As you watch the world events, USA, not in charge. China, not in charge. God is in charge, right? He is the one who's over it all. And so he, he's saying to, to, to Jacob, look, I, I, I've been watching you. And I am the one who's caused all of these animals to be as they are. Because I've seen what Laban has been doing to you. God fights for justice. He always gets justice. And then he says, now the Lord is telling me it's time to go. In verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. So now he is wondering, okay, what's Rachel and Leah going to think? Verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. Do i mean they're they 're pretty miffed, right? No love for daddy i mean i mean they they 've seen what he 's done over and over and over again it 's not been for them it 's been for himself it 's been for laban he he has basically what they 've said is he sold us like 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 we were slaves somehow he sold us to you for fourteen years' labor, and he he has nothing for us and so If God has told you that we should go, then we will go. They're they're placing their faith in the Lord God. They're trusting in him. They know the character of Laban. They know this will not be without repercussions. But they believe that if God has told them to go, they should go. Again, it's, it's just neat to watch how God is directing his people here. And be reminded that He directs His people in the same way today, God directs you through the circumstances that you find yourselves in from day to day, right Things are going well you know, at your job and you know and, and and then what then all of a sudden things aren't going well at your job, and you 're starting to feel forced out and it's like okay lord like are you are you leading me out of here? Right? Like through circumstances, the questions begin. Right? And, and God uses those circumstances just as he's used in, in Jacob's life. Things are starting to like, oh, the, the brothers-in-law are too happy. And, you know, the father-in-law is not too happy. Like, what's going on here? And so it begins to answer, ask questions. He begins to ask questions. Then, Then what? The word of the Lord is that which directs him. So it is today. The word of the Lord is what directs you and I. Is this your guide for day-to-day living to, to know what God would have you do? Do you open this book often to be reminded of who your God is? To be reminded of his character? Listen, the world and Satan and your flesh will continue to twist God is. And so you must be in the word continually to be reminded of his character, that he is a God of grace, that he is a God of mercy, that he's a God of compassion, that he is a God of love, that he is powerful. All of these characteristics of God must be your anchor. They must be your foundation. When the world is tossing us to and fro, this is your anchor. This is your rock. This is the only thing you can trust, and sometimes your life—you feel like you're in one of those snow globes, right? And it's just like somebody's like just shaking it, right? And you're just like, well, where, "Where's the foundation? Where's the where? Where's my help? The help is in here, always." God, God, I, I don't know. We're having problems in our marriage. I guess we should buy men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? That will really help us. Eh. It will not help you. This will help you. Oh, guess what? When you said, I do, you signed up for certain responsibilities as husbands. When you said, I do, you signed up for certain responsibility as wives. And if you do not follow God's plan for you, guess what? You're going to have troubles, big troubles. When it comes to your kiddos, do you go to, again, to the world for wisdom as to how to raise your kids? Um, maybe just watch the news. They're not doing great. Maybe we should use this, right? The Lord guides us through his word. When it comes to your workplace, the Lord guides us through his word. When it comes to your salvation, it is found in here. This morning, if you do not know God, then he would want you to open up this book and to find out that you are a sinner, but God is a great savior, and if you would confess your sins, the word of God says to us, if you would confess your sins and put your trust in him, that he would cleanse you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and make you, you, make you his child. This is what the word of God tells us. This is the book. This is, should be, you know, you should be, as Jesus said, like, I got other food to eat, right? Like, this should be the food you eat before any other food. That's how important it is. And God directs us through his word. I love that you're here this morning. You're like, I gotta, I gotta put myself under the instruction of the word of the Lord. I need his help. I know I need his help to guide me and help me from now until the day that I would see him. And then the last thing we see here is that he goes to his family and says, hey, what do you think? Well, guess what? God has also given you the family of God. Like sometimes... Our hearts are deceitful, right? Jeremiah 17, 9. Sometimes we're like, we don't get it right. We're going to, like, I think I should do this. And you tell a brother or sister, and I, like, uh, why do you think you should do that? That's ridiculous. Like, that is that would be the dumbest thing ever, right? Where are you finding that? Well, I don't know. I just kind of felt. Well, yeah, don't, don't go by your feelings. Maybe go by the Word of God. Let's look at that together, right? And, and get counsel and help from those around you. This is... How God directs us and helps us, just as he did with Jacob. And so let us take encouragement in these things. If you have a difficult boss, God may be calling you to remain there. You don't know that. Just because you're having trouble doesn't mean, parachute, let's get out of here, I'm I'm gone. Like that, maybe, but maybe he wants you to remain. And so we need God's wisdom. We need his help, and it's found in his word. It's found in the help of the body of Christ. So let us be encouraged by that. Thirdly, we see that God defends his people according to his great power. He defends his people according to his great power. Verse 17. So Jacob arose and he set his sons and wives on camels. Right? As he he came in as a single guy, now he's leaving this land with 11 sons, a daughter, four wives, and a whole lot of stuff. He drove all away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Uh, why? why? We don't know why. It could be that she's just really angry at him. that's why she's done it. And she knows he really likes these gods. And so I'm going to steal them. Just as you stole away my life, I'm going to steal away your gods. But there's a whole lot of irony going on in this chapter. Like, steal gods? Really? Like, what kind of gods are those that they could be stolen? Not real great, right? Like, if these gods are supposed to protect you, they can't even protect themselves. But she, it seems like Rachel, Rachel, she wrestles with faith. The mandrakes from last chapter. And it more than likely is not just that she's angry about these things, but that she thinks that somehow she'll benefit by having these gods. But the folly of it will be seen as we continue on here. So, verse 20. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and he arose and he crossed the Euphrates and he set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. It takes his long to recognize that he's gone because shearing sheep is a big job. That's the whole point of this. He left at an opportune time when he knew that Laban would be distracted. It's given him a head start, but... When you got wives and children and all your stuff, you cannot travel very quickly. And so he's caught by day seven. But, verse 24, But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. God is fighting for Jacob. He's not going to allow him to be hurt by his enemy. Verse 25, and Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban, with his kinsmen, kinsmen, pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? That you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword. My poor daughters, I know that you've taken them away from me against my will. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is what Laban thinks. He doesn't know that like, yeah, we're out of here. We don't care uh, if we stay with that. And then he says, verse 27, Why did you flee secretly and trick me? It did not tell me, so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre. And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. Does anyone think that Laban would have done any of this stuff? I just wanted to throw you guys a party. Kiss my kids goodbye. Like, that's all I really wanted. That's not really what he wanted. He wants to get rich through Jacob. That's what he really wants. And so he's upset that he's he's taken off. But now he's like, I really like to hurt you. Verse 29. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you've gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Like I, I, I'm still in charge. I could hurt you. No, you couldn't. And God, God has already warned you not to. And you know not to mess with God, which is ironic here, right? He knows not to go against God's will here. He's like, I know you want to go back to your folks' place, but can you, can you help me out here? Like, why did you steal my gods? Verse 31, Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. Why did I leave? Because I didn't think you would let me. And if I was leaving, I would be going by myself. I thought that's what actually had happened here. As far as the gods go, verse 32, Anyone with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have, that is yours and take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Right, he doesn't. He doesn't have. He doesn't have no clue. I mean, he's just put a death sentence on his wife, and he doesn't. He thinks what? Here's Laban again. He he wants to find an excuse to go through all my stuff so that he can be like, "Oh, you stole this from me. I'm gonna take it back." Like that's he's looking. He's just looking for something. That's what Jacob thinks. He doesn't know that Rachel actually has stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants. But he did not find them. And he went out of Leah's tent and, into, and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban felt all about the tent, but not, did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household gods. (laughs) Okay, so this whole thing is pretty humorous, right? He's trying to find his gods that have been lost. That's ridiculous even in itself. Whether or not Rachel is actually in the way of women or not, we don't know, but as a dude, he's definitely not going to challenge that, right? <laughs> and so he's like, "Okay." And 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 the people that Moses is writing to, right? They're, they're the they're the people, same people that had been rescued out of Egypt. They're the same people who had seen that the Egyptian gods could do something, but they could not come close to what Yahweh could do. They could see that that He was the one who rescued them, and now he's seeing they're seeing once again how foolish are these gods? How defiled, how meaningless are these gods that she is sitting on these gods in the way of women? I mean, if you read the rest of the Old Testament, you're like, defiled. These gods are defiled now as a result. I mean, it's just showing that these gods are ridiculous. Sarna says this, it implies an attitude of willful defilement and contemptuous rejection of the idea that Laban's cult objects had any religious worth. And yet, people still worship crazy things today. Do they not? I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to go to Nepal. There's still wooden gods all over the place. I mean, you want to you go Old Testament on all that stuff, right? You want to tear all those things down and burn them and say, look, they are nothing. They're enslaving you. But guess what? In North America, we're no different. Oh, if I just had enough money. All my problems would be gone. I I would be able to do whatever I wanted if I just had enough money. There's so many people worship money and wealth in our country, thinking that somehow that that will rescue them, that will give them the fulfillment they really desire. And it leaves them empty and hopeless over and over and over again. We all chase after idols. Well, Jacob's pretty upset. Again, he thinks that Laban, he just made this whole thing up. Verse 36. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. Right? You're just up to your old tricks, Laban. And now you've been caught. you got nothing. And it shows that I'm a person of integrity and that you are a liar. Verse 38. These 20 years, now it's like, (laughs) he's got a little pent-up anger over 20 years of of pain here. So, these 20 years I, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. And I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts and I did not bring it to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. By day the the heat consumed me and the cold by night and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I've I've been in your house. I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. I mean, it has been brutal working for you. Is what he's telling him. He's had a very, very hard life. as we get to the end of Genesis, Pharaoh's like, how old are you? He's like, I'm not that old, but I look really old. He's had a hard life. This is what he's saying here. And then he says in verse 42, If the God of my father, the, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Listen, the only reason that I have anything is because God is for me and not against me. If it was left to you, I would have had nothing. But praise God, I serve a God who is powerful and great, and he has watched over me. He is the one who has who given me all that I have today. I mean, Laban, Laban is such a warning to us today. We I mean, consider Laban for just a moment. He knows God. He just actually seen him the night before in a dream. He knows that Yahweh is real. He, he's been told that, that through Jacob, he's being blessed by God. And what does that do in his heart? Does he repent of his sin? Is he like, man, I got to get rid of these wooden gods. What are they for? i got to pursue that God. That's the God who's real. That's the God who's powerful. I'm going to go after him. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he just wants the blessings. I I just want what God can give me. How many people go to church today and have that same heart? There there is no repentance of sin in their own lives, but they like being at church. It makes me feel good about myself. You know, I, I like some of the lessons you know, I, I try to go to a church where they're not too preachy, right? They probably wouldn't last too long here, right? But, but you know, I, I, I just, you know, it, it's good. It, it, you know, I, I've, our marriage is better. They had some nice, nice tips for things. And, you know, I, I, I feel like our, our, we're better, better parents. My, I've applied some of those principles to my business. I'm, I've got more money now. Like, I like this. I, I like being around church people. They want the blessing, but they don't want the blesser. They don't want God. They just want what God can give them. And I would just say to us all here this morning, like I I pray that that's not anyone here. That that no one can say, yeah, I just want what God can give me. I don't really care about him. But that you you would say wholeheartedly, God, you can take it all away from me, but as long as I have you That's all my heart desires, as the psalm of Asaph said, as Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. May that be our hearts here this morning. Well, the last thing I want us to say briefly, and last thing we want to recognize in the blessing of God, that God delivers his people according to his glorious promises. According to his glorious promises. Verse 43, Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flock are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for, the, for these my daughters or for their children whom they have born? I mean, he's just, I'm the victim here. You've taken everything that's mine. It's all rightfully mine. But what can I do? So let's make peace, right? There's no, again, hard-heartedness, this guy. Verse 44, he's trying to make the best of a hard situation. Come, now let us make a covenant, you and I. Let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar-Sahadapha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he named it the Gilead and Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters, if you take wives beside my daughters, although no one is with us, see God is witness between you and me. And Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. He's, he's, he's seeking, he can see the writing on the wall. God is for him, and what he doesn't want to be is, is to be an enemy of Jacob. And so he says, let's have peace. He, again, he's such a tough guy to figure out. Was it real when he was like, hey, take care of my daughters? If you don't take care of my daughters, God's going to see, and he's going to take you, take you down. I mean, he says that in there. Is it just for show? We don't know. Uh, but he's saying, hey, I want peace. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, he says, the God of their fathers should judge between us. Laban is continuing to hold on to his own God, right? He's not saying that Yahweh is his God. He's saying between your God and my God and their gods, may they judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Jacob, he swears by his God. Not, not by anyone else's God, he swears by his God. And now he has become his God. Through this 20 years, he's finally coming to faith, true faith in him. And he'll, he still has a long ways to go, but he's going to continue to grow in him. And I think as you look at the, the life of, of Laban, there's also a warning there that this guy doesn't get any better, right? When, when they first meet, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, who's worse, Laban or Jacob? They're, they're kind of, they're peas in a pod. But we, as the years go by, you see the sanctification of him and you see this continual digression of Laban. It's a word of warning this morning. If God would be pressing upon your heart to repent, that you would not forsake that and, and think that I can do it later. Now you must repent today. Well, as I've been talking about we see this 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 parallel of Exodus, this oppression by Jacob or sorry, by Laban over Jacob, by Pharaoh over Israel. That that the gods of that person, of Laban and the gods of Egypt, they, they're no match for Yahweh. And He delivers His people. And they, in both cases, they come out with plunder. They come out with riches, and so it would be that they, the the people of Israel, as they read this, they're like, "Oh yeah, like that's what God did for us as well." And it all points to a greater exodus. You and I are born under an oppressive leader. His name is Satan. He he keeps us enslaved in our sin. He 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 kind of. Points, he's like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm for you and not against you. You would not want to be for that God. And he keeps us oppressed under that. But guess what? Jesus Christ has come. And he has been given us a true exodus. He has given us freedom from our slavery to sin. He has freed us from our former master, Satan. And he's made us his children. And I pray that everyone here this morning knows that that you no longer follow after your own heart, after your own ways, but that you follow after the Lord God, that you have been set free by him and you are anticipating the day when sin and Satan and death will be done away with forevermore when Jesus Christ comes and reigns and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Between now and that day, remember that the Lord is with you, that he is blessing you. Remember that God differentiates his people according to his good pleasure. Remember that God directs his people according to his grand purposes. Remember that God defends his people according to his great power. And remember that God delivers his people according to his glorious promises. Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your word today. Lord, we pray that you would help us to put our trust fully in you. God, I'm so thankful that you know the circumstances that each person finds themselves in here today. Some have Labans in their life. God, I pray that they would just keep their eyes on you, knowing, Lord, that you are with them and that there's nothing that that person can do that, Lord, you are not allowing. But, Lord, you are also a God of justice, and in your timing, you will make all things right, whether quickly or whether it be 20 years from now. Lord, you are faithful. And that, Lord, you, even in these things, Lord, you, you are bringing about your purposes. You're bringing about your plans. God, I pray, Lord, you, would you increase our faith in you? Would you help us to trust you more each and every day? That, Lord, the, 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 the comings and goings of this life would not be a distraction, but, Lord, would only put our eyes on you further. God, we pray for those today who maybe are still dead in their sin. God, would you show them that, Lord, you've made a way that they might be reconciled to you. Lord, would you grant them repentance and, put, and that they would put their hope and trust in you. Lord, for your glory and for your honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca.